You've just invested in yourself by tuning into the Inner You podcast, recording from our studio here in Cornwall, New York, with your hosts, Lynette and Hoyt. If you're someone who is seeking creative inspiration from everyday people around you, in a few moments, we will tap into the minds of artists of all types. From your local wedding photographer, to mural painters, to your aunt who likes to crochet. Have you ever wondered what led a creator to work in that specific field? Let's Let's find find out. So sit down, relax, or don't. Just just enjoy. enjoy. Hello, everybody. Welcome into the interview podcast. Uh, this is Joel Valenzuela, one of your hosts, as well as my lovely wife, Lynette Valenzuela. And we're here together once again. Last episode, my lovely wife was hard working selling them coffees, but now today she's here to join us. So we're excited about that. And in our this episode number five, if you're catching us in all these episodes, number number five, we have a, a special guest with us today. We have our one of my good friends, Brandon Haynes. Haynes, Haynes, I got it. I got it. Uh, the creator, <laughs> the creator of the Crazy Comma Strong podcast. Welcome in, brother. Hello. How are you doing? <laughs> good to have you. Thank you, brother. Thank you. I'm glad to have you here. We're excited. Brandon Haynes, thank you for joining in today. So, why do we have Brandon here today? Well, first and foremost, because he has a really good podcast, Crazy Common Strong Podcast. If you guys can check him out, first and foremost, I got to give him a shout out for that. And in this podcast, he, he, it goes from, it start, he started off his podcast sharing his loves and likes and wants, and it transitioned into creative storytelling and creating almost audio dramas. Am I, is that correct? Am I in a good tangent here? You're, you're right on. Like it, it was such a strange way that it kind of evolved into what it is today because I did, I started out just with, well, I wanted to talk and I wanted to record myself and I thought maybe people would listen and be interested in some of the things that I'm interested in. Cause I feel like I have some strange interests that not a lot of people have uh, some mm-hmm. of the books and movies and, and themes of things that I enjoy. So I thought, let me just talk about that. And that turned out okay. Uh, but one of the episodes I read, um, one of my short stories called the humanoids, and that one really blew up. So there, there's two episodes that did incredibly well. Can't You Just Hear the Music? We talked about music with my friend Joy Williams and uh, then the humanoids. And so from there, it kind of snowballed into, hey, Wait, people yes. kind of seem to like these audio stories. So how could we kind of In expand co- this? Nice, nice. And, and when you first started this out, again, you, you, you sh- you're sharing uh, things you enjoyed because, again, the best way to connect with people is talking about things we both like, essentially, right? And one of the things I found interesting, because I sat down and I had listened to all your po- all your episodes, so I'm really drilled with everything. And I was really, because again, this is not something I'm really fond of or really attracted to. Um, and uh, we're going to get into, into that. And the things that you mentioned in one of your first episodes, you talked about Shakespeare and Charles Dickens. And I know who these people are, of course, you know, who doesn't know who these people are. Right. But um, can you uh, just express why are you so like, how did you come to appreciate this in a grander level than a normal person like myself (laughs) that just had to read it in high school and stuff? You know, I think it started out in a similar way. I had never read them. 
until I was in high school. Of course, Shakespeare, you know, we've all seen like Romeo and Juliet movies. Mm-hmm. We maybe yeah. even saw you know, some sort of regional production of one of his most famous plays. So we all kind of have an understanding about kind of who these authors were and a little bit of their stories. But really reading them and getting into them, you start to see how much color they wrote with and how much how into the stories they were. So, you know, with Charles Dickens, he may be responsible for the way that we watch TV today. Mm -hmm. His books came out in episodes every week. And it was kind of the thing that you did, just like we watch television shows. And it's like, did you see what happened to so-and-so? Or did you expect this (laughs) ending? Or what do you think is going to happen? Like, that's what Victorian London was like with his books. And then Shakespeare, just to think about how quickly he wrote these stories, a lot of times he would write these plays in a night or over a weekend, and then the cast would be performing it the next day. And so to just think about the incredible turnover that especially Shakespeare had writing these plays, it's astronomical. It's astonishing how incredibly well-written they are, how well he understands people and how to weave those stories in an interesting way. Wow. Yeah. It's, that's, I really, I remember you mentioned in one of your podcasts about that, how people would, uh, they would uh, get penny slips. Is that how you mentioned it? They would, people who, who didn't have money were able to at least hear someone read these uh, stories and how that was their sheer form of entertainment. How has that transitioned to what you do today? How have you been able to be, you know, reach your audience in any form or fashion and creating a a format that's easily reachable to anybody. I think that's part of the beauty of doing a podcast. So, Mm -hmm. you know, our podcast, you know, we, we, we produce it, we incur all of the expense uh, that it takes to create it just as you do, I'm sure. Mm -hmm. Um, And anybody can listen to it and it's free. If you want to donate to us and help us out, you can, but we now have something that's there that's freely available for you Mm -hmm. to listen to, for you to enjoy, and maybe just be a nice introduction to something you didn't even know that you would like. Exactly. And, and that was kind of something for me because um, I have friends, I have one of my friends that really loves like, you know, he, he, he would be, he would enjoy, he can have a two hour conversation with you about Charles Dickens and Shakespeare because he loves those types of novels and, and, that older uh, language, so to speak. How do, how does these two, uh, you know, I would say pillars of literature, right? That how do they they impact your way of creative creative storytelling in your work? They both wrote people. Yeah, you can get lost in some of the language. Sometimes there's big words or foreign yeah. languages that we don't <laughs> understand. But at the heart of it. They're writing people and characters that we know. Mm. They're writing about our parents or our children, our nephews, our cousins, our neighbors, our friends. That's the kind of people that they're writing about. And then they drill into what makes them interesting or what makes them special or, you know, what a challenge is that they're having. Wow. That's a really good. Go ahead. Oh, sorry. (laughs) No, 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 no. no. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry. (laughs) That's, uh, you know, that's what I'm trying to do as a as a creator, find plays and things that talk about real people, people that we know, people that we maybe ourselves are, you know. Yeah, you relate to. Most most of most of the episodes of, of the audio dramas that we've done, 
the characters that I've played are just versions of myself. They are people, they're characters that I relate to that I think, oh yeah, if I was in this situation, I would handle it in a similar way. So I'm just, I'm trying to create content that deals with everyday people. And again, mm -hmm. bring something that may seem unapproachable, too highbrow, too what my grandparents liked or listened to and bring it into a modern age, something that's interesting for all of us. I think that's a good point there because again, when the, again, the common, you know, 18, 19 year old kid, or even in the younger generation, um, they think of these type of, um, you know, authors or playwriters, they think of homework mm -hmm. or they think they have like this negative connotation to it because of their experience with that name or that experience with that person. Unbeknownst to them, where they ha it can have a deep impact in their in their life and really connect with the with the character more than they would ever have imagined. So, how do you think that Lovely. can be fixed? Do you think because again, in in our again in my mind, I think of I think it's that that like old English really because for example, right now I'm I'm reading the Count of Monte Cristo, excellent story, right? In 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 the grand scheme of things it's an excellent story but man i have to reread a couple pages man like it's it's a struggle you gotta battle it out so how do you you know how do you fight that for like a younger how would you recommend or, or paint it so a younger person can enjoy it you know i only know this because i had a few really good english teachers in high school one of them he was a guy he was probably in his 30s and you know i didn't appreciate what he was into back then. But now as I get older, I realize how much like him I really am. So, he, you know, he was into, <laughs> you know, the Dark Knight trilogy and okay. he was so excited when, you know, when Batman was coming out and, and the Joker <laughs> and all of the stuff that they were doing that was new and interesting. And I was like, I don't care about that. I have no idea. Um, but what he did for us is he would take lyrics from a rock song or a pop song or a rap song oh, and wow. we would study the composition of those lyrics. And then the next day we would take a Shakespeare sonnet or a portion of a Shakespeare play and study the lyrics. And you start to realize that if you, usually it's our frame of reference that makes us say, ooh, I don't, I don't enjoy that or I don't mm -hmm. understand that. But when we compare it to something that we love and know now, who doesn't listen to music? I mean, yeah. we all have certain forms of lyrics that we just love because we mm -hmm. like how it makes us feel. Mm -hmm. We understand Shakespeare was kind of like a rock star in his day. And the lyrics that he wrote were just like what Drake or, you know, Tupac or any of these great artists that we have today, the kind of lyrics that they wrote. And so when we look at it with that kind of frame of mind, yes, the language might be a little bit different than we're used to, but look at the whole picture. Look at mm. the, the way that he's painting the lyrics and playing off of the words. I think one of the things that we had talked about maybe mentioning was, um, the original pronunciation OP of some of the Shakespeare stuff. And that's the beauty of OP. It might be even further away from what we understand <laughs> naturally, our way yeah, of yeah. speaking English, but we start to understand his lyrics better in OP because those mm. rhymes are there. Oh. Those rhymes that maybe we don't get with our pronunciation of English that make it difficult to understand, even though the word is said differently in OP, we seem to kind of naturally understand what he's talking about better because all of the lyrics make sense. Yeah. And, and, and with all the things you're mentioning, I think of plays like Hamilton, how they redefined and recreated this, uh, you know, 
crazy story that again, most people I've studied before, but didn't really appreciate it and connected something that the masses appreciate like a hip hop or, or that, that beat style being lyricist. And, and I think of if, if there was a way where someone would fund money to do something similar for like a Shakespeare play or a, a story or how much more that would impact. Cause that was a huge rate. Like everyone has that Hamilton playlist on their phone and stuff like that. So there's another play that came out around uh, just around the same time as Hamilton. And I mentioned it in one of my podcasts because it's my favorite musical and it has been for the longest time. I love it so much. It's called Natasha Pierre and the great comet of 1812. And it's based on war and peace about 70 pages of war and peace, which war and peace is another one of those novels that everybody's kind of heard of. Nobody's read. Everybody thinks the language is too difficult. Mm-hmm. But the lyrics, most of the lyrics for that show are direct quotes from the book. Wow. There's very little that the author rewrote to make the lyrics work because it's written in such a lyrical way. So again, I, I go back to if we can kind of step outside of our comfort zone a little bit, have an open mind when we get into some of these things, kind of think about why they were written, when they were written, and then pin that to something that we know and understand from today, we can really appreciate some of these classic works that are simply beautiful, simply beautiful. So how would you do, would you rate Shakespeare and Charles Dickens as being underhyped or overhyped or, or just well measured? That's a difficult question. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because I think, um, I can see how it could be because it's so common. Everyone knows, but at the same time, you know, do people truly appreciate the complexities of his thinking and how he transcended people of his time as well. That's another um, thing that's impactful. But now how do you feel towards people reinventing these stories or applying it to today's worlds and analogies or circumstances? Do you feel that's, you know, watering down the original story, or is that good? You know, new people can learn to love these new characters, even though they don't know it's Shakespeare, or maybe they do, but they don't see the connection. I think we see that a lot in stories. There, I mean, there's mm-hmm. so many movies that we consider to be modern movies that are classics that, you know, we've all seen, but are based on stories by Shakespeare or Charles Dickens or some of these older authors. Mm -hmm. And people just don't realize that what they're really watching is based on this original story. I mean, Lion King is based on Hamlet. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's crazy. (laughs) But, but we never, we never connect that. Yeah. That Lion King and Hamlet really are the same story. So I, I love seeing people, um, do versions and interpretations of stories. Sometimes they get a little bit weird. You know, maybe they're funny in places. There's, there's one, um, Much Ado About Nothing uh, by Josh, Josh Whedon that they shot it in black and white, but everybody had American accents. It was a little bit uh, unnerving, a little bit difficult to get into, but yeah, I thought like, they did a really good job. It, oh, it wow. was well done. It was enjoyable. It wasn't, it wasn't my favorite version of it. But it was good. It was enjoyable. A nice way, I think, to introduce people to it and then people can go, you know what? I wonder what a more traditional version of that looks like or sounds like. And then they can go ch- you know, be free to check it out because they had a, an accessible way to get into that story. That's true. That's a, it opens like a gateway for them. Yeah. Do you think um, – because I, I, I remember hearing one of your podcasts and you mentioned how 
like darn it they did not use old you know like british you know the right accents and things like that and you're you went on a little rant about it and i found it so interesting because again as a just normal viewer you know that might have gone right over my head so how much does that truly add like accents and 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 the correct wardrobe things like that how much more does that add to creative stories that you've seen and, and experienced yourself you know for me the reason i watch entertainment um, you know, read books is to transport myself out of the you know, my own life, out of my mm-hmm. own sphere, out of reality. Exactly. And so sometimes, you know, I'm looking for something that will take me to another world. Oh, but see. if it's maybe a Shakespeare play that's translated to our time and it doesn't really do that for me, you know, I may not enjoy it as much. But really, oh. that's just a personal opinion. Oh, I see. I see. I just really uh, I, I appreciate the passion I heard in his, in his podcast about it. I was like, man, this guy really wants his British accents. <laughs> so I just thought it was awesome. I thought it was awesome. Now, personally, you know, we've we spoken about how, you know, these various authors have impacted your personal work. How has it always been the case that you wanted to create a story yourself or in what circumstances led you to that point where you know what i can create my own i love these stories i love how they transport me to these various places i want to create my own world and start writing an uh, you know audio drama or a book or things like that so i'm the i'm the youngest of three and my two older siblings are are both uh, women so they they would often be together hanging out and playing and and they didn't want to play with their their little brat brothers. So <laughs> I think it's I think it started all the way back then. Like I had Trauma. to come up with my own I had to come up with my own stories to entertain myself. So you know I'd put on a costume and be running around out in the woods, you know, pretending to be a knight, slaying dragons or or whatever it was. <laughs> and then as I got older, got into high school, I mean I still played with costumes, but that's a different <laughs> <story>. <laughs> As I got into, yeah, that's that's for a different podcast. (laughs) As uh, as I got into high school, I really started getting serious about learning and really appreciating reading and art and and drama. And so, like I said earlier, I had some good English teachers, and whenever we we would have creative writing um, projects, I was really excited. And so it kind of started from there. I I wrote a lot of short stories in high school. I, I tried publishing a book in high school. Wow. It didn't go well. But, uh, <laughs> Trying is the, just, the, the biggest thing, though. You tried. It's, it's important. It's just a continual thing. I, I love writing. I love expressing myself. A lot of times, you know, I'll have these dreams when I sleep, and I, I kind of try to write them down because sometimes they're terrifying and interesting. And <laughs> that's a little bit how um, Humanoids came about. Like I, I had a dream about. Oh, no way. I was thinking about iRobot. With, nice. you know, the robots and, and the people and how they helped and some of the conflict and issues that there were. And I was like, well, what if they invented robots that really looked like humans? How oh. would that change things? Because that's oh. kind of the theme through Isaac Asimov's iRobot story is that part of the problem is that the robots seem very robotic. They, they're not people. And so yeah, there's, there's no connection, that human to human connection. Right. So what would happen if the robots looked humans looked mm-hmm. like humans and and what further conflict and issues could that cause so i'm still working on it i'm still writing it i'll probably still be writing that for a while yeah <laughs> you did mention it's I was going gonna, but <laughs> i was gonna hit on that because that's uh it's such an interesting story that again uh 
I personally love that movie, and um, I've been can, I haven't done it yet. But I, um, after I I I rewatched it recently, and I was like, I gotta read the actual book because uh, the must it must be even you know better. ten times better because uh, you know the movie is great. Uh, Will Smith knocks it out of the park, but but still like uh, he does. I agree. <laughs> but just reading it and see how more complex things get, you know, uh, must be really good. So that influence, you know, started, you know, started writing this story. But what happened? Because you mentioned it in a podcast, what, what ended up happening? That why you stopped a little bit? Your creative juices kind of got sucked out. Uh, I can't remember what it's called now, but um, there was a TV show that was kind of basically the same story. And I started writing this well before the TV show came out. So I think somebody hacked my computer or something. (laughs) (laughs) But that that kind of made me stop for a little bit because I had to reconsider some places that I was thinking about going and Mm -hmm. to still make it a different story that 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 was my own. Yeah. And it's so interesting because um, I'm applying this to photography. Sometimes you see these amazing shots, right? And I'm like, man, that's such beautiful. It's like a beautiful, well-composed, well-lit, whatever. Perfect shot. And I'm like, I want to take that shot. But then I'm like, it's been shot already. Why do you want to take it? And and part of me is like, true. But what if I get there? I get to this, the Eiffel Tower or Niagara Falls or wherever it may be. And what if I, you know, I am inspired in that moment to capture it in a different way, you know? So those are like little things that keeps me like, even though this has been overly shot, so to speak, or, or captured, how can I change that up? So it's encouraging that even though, you know, you got kind of like, oh man, someone, somehow it sounds the same. I got to change it up, but it's still a cool idea and you can still really dig deep into it. And how big of a book were you thinking when you're creating this? It, it's definitely designed to be a short story. Okay. Um that really doesn't help define the length of anything. <laughs> I just, like- I, I, I kind of plan to write on it until I'm satisfied with it, until I'm done. Wow. So some of that is, I had very specific ideas for certain sections of the story, and I kind mm-hmm. of knew those big moments. Um, I don't do a whole lot of pre-writing, especially when I'm writing a story like that. Mm-hmm. So there's, there's kind of bridge moments in between some of those bigger scenes that I read and read in the podcast that I need to figure out how to get from, you know, this first big moment to this next big moment and, and still make it interesting and, and inspiring to read. And how much value do you put into character development? How, like how much, how important is that as a creative storyteller? Or do you like the reader or the viewer to fill in the spaces I think it all depends on what what you're going for. I think that's one of the most beautiful things about reading a story versus a movie. And I think it's the same thing with audio dramas, which is part of why I love it. There's no visual aspect to it. So you're leaving space for the reader's imagination. You're mm-hmm. leaving you might have key details, you might have, you know, big characters and moments, but you're really leaving a lot of details up to the reader's imagination and interpretation of how things are written. And I just think that's a beautiful thing to be in control of the story, but still leave a, a space for your readers to make their own decisions and their own judgment. That's so cool. That's so cool. I love it. Do you, do you think, I, I, I hear this and I see this more so 
with you know big movies when like you hear like fan stories or fan novels and things like that where they they take a, a movie or a segment a portion of a movie and they create a whole nother story out of it. it it's pretty crazy to think the impact you know a, a story a book can have on on just people why do you think that is you know i think there's always something in a story that touches us and I think that that goes back to why I love, you know, Charles Dick, Dickens and Shakespeare so much. There's just something about the way that they write mm -hmm. that I understand. Mm -hmm. I connect to it. It resonates with me. And so even the way that I speak, the way that I write is highly influenced by these authors. I mean, after I, after I've been reading Shakespeare for a while, I start talking in kind of rhyming couplets and pairs. It's very weird. Oh, because wow. I understand and appreciate these authors so much. And they just, it's almost like they understand me. Just like you might have a good friend that you just click, you, you know, you have the same things that you enjoy. You understand the way each other thinks. When I read these books, I feel like they get me. They understand me. That's cool. And, that, and that's what people are desiring and craving for, you know, like being able to, you know, how you mentioned earlier, escape from their reality and enjoy this moment and connect with these characters. And, and I, I felt that I feel what this person is going through. I understand. I can't believe someone was able to create a character, not knowing me, that somehow connected with me. So with your journey of creative storytelling, Brennan, was there a point where you know, you know, you were discouraged. Who was your like support cast, so to speak, to get you just keep grinding, keep finding, or was it just all you? Were you just carrying the load and trying to just hustle, hustle it through? You know, it's a little bit of both. I, I really appreciate, I talk about this in, in the first episode of my podcast. Like, I really appreciate my mom. My mom always provided a very safe space for me to perform, to sing, to act, to play with costumes. She used to do some costume designing for some things that we were involved in, and she would always make me a costume. And, you know, I <laughs> so put cool. on little shows for her, you know, you, I hope you get to meet her uh, in the future, but you know, you can ask her, I, I used to kind of destroy the living room. I'd move furniture around, I'd hang things up and no curtains and, seats <laughs> and different things, then be in there performing and singing and whatever. And so, so my mom has always provided a very safe space for me to you know, be who I am and to let it out. And that's, uh -huh. I think that was really good for me. I don't know if I was always, I think I was always creative, but I didn't always have a good outlet for it. I always mm -hmm. had a lot of energy, but probably didn't always come out in the best of ways. <laughs> so creating content, um, exploring writing and stories and costumes and all of those things has has proved to be a really nice outlet for a lot of my energies. Nice. And how did it transition from, like, you know, he mentioned, it, you know, you just doing what you could to, to take that out. How did it transition into actually creating your own stories? And then also, how did it transition into audio dramas? So some of it was just being like, you know what? I have a story. Let's do something about it. So sometimes I would get my young friends together and we'd put on a little play or we'd do something like that. And as I got older, I, it, I tried to make it bigger, but it's always difficult. I mean, you know how it is with this trying to schedule everybody to be available to even yeah. sit down for a couple hours to record a podcast is, is a lot of <laughs> juggling and moving things around. Yeah, it's true. So as far as how it changed from 
the first format of the podcast to the audio dramas that we have now, again, it was kind of a fluke. It kind of just happened. Um, I had gotten busy. I had recorded about six or so episodes uh, for season one of my podcast and then got really busy through the summer months. And then COVID hit. Mm-hmm. And COVID hit and we were all you know, locked up. We couldn't go anywhere. We were all at home. And a group of friends of mine, the four of us main characters in The Importance of Being Earnest, that first audio drama that we did, mm-hmm. we'd been talking for years about how much each of us are like those characters that we end up playing oh, in the okay. podcast. And so we had been looking for a way to make it happen, you know, if we were going to film something or do a live show, but there's always that issue. Like all of those things cost a lot of money. Yeah. It's not that simple. It together. <laughs> it's not that simple. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But with COVID, I was like, I have a podcast. I have an audience. We're all stuck at home. Let's just record it and see what happens. So I, like it. I kind of came up with standards for recording, how we could do it so that it sounded decent and consistent throughout. Uh, we found the extra cast that we needed. We recorded it and put it on the podcast, and it did amazingly well. It nice. did so well. And and so I thought, well, what if could this just be the format that we choose going forward? Could we just do audio dramas? So we did a second one, Trifles, another story that a lot of people haven't heard of but is really interesting and really good. And uh, we made that, and again, it did very well, and kind of the rest is history. Nice. So you just keep creating. And how do you choose? Because I noticed that you you did um, Oscar Wilde, right? That's a he's a, a great. I would would you consider him a, a comedian? How would you consider him? He was so many things. Yeah. He he was he was a Renaissance man. Honestly, I mean, he was a historian. He was a comedic writer. He wrote for newspapers. He was in prison. Like he, there was a He's lot like, <laughs> to his life. <laughs> there, he had a lot going on. Yeah. Um, and and I think the importance of being earnest is one of it's probably his most famous piece, mm-hmm. and it it might be the most well written thing that he did. I mean, just the jokes, the how quickly the jokes come and how I love the story because I've read it and seen it a hundred plus times. You know, we performed it, which means I practiced those, <laughs> those voices, so cool. those roles a hundred plus times, but I find something new. I find a new joke that I, I understand, or I nice. understand how different themes are connected to each other. It's, it's a really complex yet accessible story. Wow. And when you choose these uh, stories to create audio dramas for, is it usually surely because you 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 know you like the story? How do you end up choosing what you're gonna create an audio drama for? Well, there's a couple things. Uh, first, it has to be out of copyright. <laughs> so oh, that that's can, a good one. <laughs> so, so, so that so we the can author has to be dead. <laughs> right. <laughs> Just joking. The author has. To, well, it's a little bit more than that. They changed yeah. the copyright laws uh, a few years ago. So oh, okay. there's even a couple of stories that we would like to do. The author has been dead for more than 60 years, but we're not able to perform it because it's still not out of copyright. So wow. that's one of the things that we look for, uh, a story that's out of copyright. And then we look for, we look for stories where maybe people know the basic concept of it, or they know a version of this story, but mm. they've never heard the original. And that's the case with our our last uh, season, which was um, Pygmalion. Mm-hmm. Everybody's heard of My Fair Lady, 
You've probably seen the movie with Audrey Hepburn. You may have seen a play. Mm -hmm. And even if you haven't seen those things, you've heard reference to them and you kind of understand what the basic elements of the story are. Mm -hmm. But almost nobody has heard of Pygmalion. No. I had never heard of it. Right. Right. (laughs) Which is the original version of that story. And so we thought, what a nice way to, again, show people something that they've never heard of. Well, they've heard of it, but they haven't seen this kind of take or this version of it. And I really like that version of the story because just like some of the other things we've been talking about, it leaves a lot of room for interpretation. He doesn't give you the answer to how the story fully resolves. Uh That's all left up to you, which I think is fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, I, I did read that, um, listen to that podcast just recently. Um, and it was very interesting. I had never heard of Pygmalion, but I did a little bit of research and it was a playwright, right? By George Bernard Shaw. So I imagine it was a lot longer because your podcast episodes are about 20 minutes and there was like six of them, I believe, for Pygmalion. So how are you able to like shorten them without sacrificing any of the quality or like the essential parts of the story? So we didn't shorten anything. Those the that specific season, each of those episodes, that's the length of each act. Wow. Oh wow. You got okay. it into it. Wow. Okay. So they're they're pretty short acts because uh especially when he was writing back then, it was very common to have one scene for each act. So everything happened in the same place. They weren't like oh, the Broadway shows that we have today where there's like a fifth, five or 10 minute scene and then the whole set changes and it's a new scene. Right. That whole time period, each act was one set, kind of like an opera is today, typically. Wow. So oh, they were kind of shorter just to okay. be able to live that moment, be in that environment, but then you know move on to the next scene, so to speak. And how do you choose like the sound effects and things like that? Is it surely the things you think you'd be hearing at that time or or how would, how do you break that up? So it's a combination of things. After I put the voices in and get all, all of the actors voices in, I go back through the script and look for specific notated sounds. So sometimes there's sounds like, you know, like in the importance of being earnest, there's noise as he's rummaging upstairs looking for the bag. So there's notated sounds throughout the play. But then I also try to think about what sounds will help clue the audience who can't see anything and probably has Mm. never seen this play, what gives them clues as to what's happening. Mm. And so then I put all of those sound effects in, but then I try to weed it back down to kind of a little bit more basic soundscape so that they get the idea, but it doesn't become so cluttered that they're missing dialogue or not able to understand what's happening. Yeah, so it's the big balancing act right knowing you know not don't overcrowd it where the whole focus is me editing great sound effects together but the actual focus is the actual story so that's 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 complicated it's i love like you you know you expressing yourself like this because again the common uh here let's say of your podcast or or your stories and things like that don't you know, you don't know the value of anything until they break it up in front of you, right? Mm-hmm. You don't know the value. And we just talked to our good friends, Morgan and Addison, and Addison creates leather wallets and we have, everyone has a wallet, you know? And to know how complicated, how expensive things can get, it's like, man, you, you, you appreciate those little things you have. So in your sense, you know, one can hear your, you know, your episode in 20 minutes, that first act and you're like, oh, this was good, you know? Yeah, woo. But then you don't realize it. Yeah, bro, that was like two, three hours of editing right there, dude. Like, <laughs> Yeah. So first of all, I have to say, I love that podcast with Addison. 
I went right on and followed them on Instagram. I'm so excited. I love the way he does such a good job. It's so cool. Uh, Um, But as far as editing, I mean, you you know this from editing photos, even editing videos. It takes a lot. Mm -hmm. The last act of Pygmalion was a 15-hour edit. Oh, Oh my goodness. (laughs) So even though it's 20 minutes, I mean, that that was a huge chunk of two weeks of my life getting that edit to sound good. Wow. So anyone out there who's listened to this podcast who didn't appreciate the way you should have, go listen to it again and realize he put 15 hours of his life on that bad boy. Wow. Well, that's amazing. But again, like if you enjoy it, you know, it is what it is. You, you enjoy that passion. So those people who you know are listeners uh, who, let's say, might have the inclination to creative story writing, um, let's say there's little Timmy who has a his private journal and he writes stories all day long. But, you know, how would you recommend him or her to keep pursuing that passion? What outlet would you recommend? Maybe what, you know, tools or resources? How would you help little Timmy get through that? You know, that, you know, the phase you had to go through maybe too late or too early. How would you recommend that person? First of all, whatever format you choose, whether it's you know, writing, podcasts, movies, YouTube videos, go watch, listen to, read that content. If you're a writer and you're not reading books, you have no business being a writer. <laughs> and I think, I think that's, that's, the same. that's, yeah. that's true of being an editor or, uh, you know, a podcaster. If you're not listening to podcasts, if you're not looking at what others are doing, especially within your genre, You have no business doing that job because you don't understand what's going on. You don't understand what's out there. So that's my first advice. You know, it's important to spend a lot of time doing those things, writing, reading, whatever it is, Mm -hmm. but make sure that you're pursuing the other side of it. So don't be just so involved in your content. Go see what else is being created. That can really help inspire you and encourage you to keep going because you see other people who are being successful in this field. And then the second thing, especially if you're a writer, share your content, you know, share it with your family, have your friend read it. And I used to do that when I was a kid, I would write these stupid, ridiculous plays that made no sense and were really dumb. And, you know, I would go up to a friend and say, here, you know, read this for me. Tell me what you think. They'd read through it and they'd be like, oh, well, it's good. (laughs) Oh, they're trying to be nice. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, how else do you improve, you know? Right. Without other people You've got to get... Yeah. You've got to get that feedback. And I think we have to get used to, as a young person, receiving feedback because it only gets harder mm-hmm. <laughs> as you get older, especially if you're not used to getting negative feedback or feedback where you need to fix things or change things. So, you know, share it with whomever is around you. That doesn't cost you any money. You know, starting sure. a podcast or YouTube videos, all of that stuff can be expensive, but just start creating your stuff and sharing it with your group of friends. And once you've got that figured out and they're like, man, this is great. Wow. You're doing a good job. Then maybe it's time to start, start expanding um, mm. your, your audience. And and on that note, like, cause again, think of all the assets and tools we have today, comparatively 20 years ago, right? 10, 15 years, even seven years ago, you know um, how the internet has truly just changed. And I think, Anyone can truly, again, and I'm speaking about more so in, in predominantly uh, in countries that have access to internet and things like that, of course, but the average person can really put out their 
their passion out there. And there's 7 billion people out there, maybe 6 billion with access to internet who can really resonate in that same frequency. And, and maybe that can potentially be a job that that was unheard of 20 years ago. You know, I, totally. <laughs> I, I, I want to encourage people don't get hung up on not having the best tools or the best equipment to do these jobs. Mm -hmm. I mean, when I, when I made my first YouTube video, when I was probably 16 or 15, I used my mom's little plug-in webcam that was like <laughs> 480p, super terrible, <laughs> but that's what I had access to. Yeah. I mean, most of us now have a cell phone that can do incredibly, infinitely better footage than I ever could when I was a kid. That's but true. take the equipment that you have and just start making stuff. Just and then when you start making money, then you can, you know, spend money on the gear, but don't get so focused on the gear. Just start doing what you love to do. Yeah. And I think that's like a big flaw, like as, as a, as human, and this applies to me because for example, when I, my, my passion is photography. When I first started out, it was sheer. I bought the, the camera I could buy and, and, you know, it was like a, an icon. Was it a 5,200? I think it wasn't like a full frame, but it was like a better than the average tourist camera. And uh, I'll just go shoot, you know, nothing crazy. But once I started getting into it, right, and then I'm like, oh, I want to do this or that. I'm like, but I can't until I have this or until I have this lens or <laughs> until I have this. You put these butts, like, but this, but that. But mm -hmm. and I'm like, no, just create, just create. And then if we think of, like, when YouTube started and um, think of all the videos we appreciate or find funny or we're attracted to, were they truly HD 720? You're like, no. I mean, I mean, let's just talk about Vine for two seconds. Oh, Those there are some you of go. the lowest quality videos they were. you can imagine. But there are so many things that me and my friends still quote from mm -hmm. you know, 10, 15 years ago on Vine. Yeah. But it didn't matter that it wasn't the highest quality because they were creating content that we loved. We found it, was... it interesting. We found it funny. Yeah. And that's all that mattered. Yeah. And that, that Vine specifically gave a... Gave a <laughs> gave so many great content it was amazing yeah, absolutely. and just the idea that someone can like in six it was a six seconds or seven seconds it was six i think yeah i think it was six seconds could create a whole story and find it fun like that was mind-boggling to me i was like man people are talented you know i'm thinking of scenes and and like you know i <laughs> you need a lot of production and they're, they're creating production value in six seconds go for it I know we're talking about my podcast, but I also make short films and do some photography as well. Nice. Um, nice. But that's one of the things that I'm challenging myself with is can I make a short film in under two minutes that tells a complete story? Dang, and that, that in itself really helps focus you and focuses your ability to write stories. And thinking back, that's what those creative writing assignments were that I loved so much in high school mm. was in a very short frame create something incredible so let's not get hung up on the gear or we've got to make our magnum opus mm -hmm. no two and a half hour long christopher nolan style movie <laughs> let's start with making two minutes that are amazing and Dang. then growing as we learn how to write and develop ourselves as artists better i love it wow that was really profound and i think most people and again this is applying it to myself i'm not, I'm not trying to call people out it's like hurting their feelings here i'm, I'm talking to myself here um no i see we, your wife looking at you like i'm all what, you, be talking what you about gonna yourself. say <laughs> <laughs> <I'm just kidding. laughs> oh my gosh no i mean more like you think of you know you you know 
the potential that you have in yourself or your self-belief, maybe, maybe not your potential, but your self-belief, like I can do this. And, and you tend to, another thing you have to have a, a good balance with and an asterisk with taking in content, you know, you recommend it to take in content and, and, and see how they're doing it and, and, you know, be influenced in a positive way, but also with an asterisk there, don't overlook their content because they, they might've taken 10, 20 years or five, six years to mm-hmm. produce the value they're, they're producing now. Cause that's what I was doing. I was comparing my photography to the Peter McKinnons of the world, like people who just are great at what they do, you know, but they weren't there always, you know? And I compare like, no, I can't share this picture because, you know, it's not this. And I think that you gotta be careful. And this applies to creative storytelling. I'm assuming to create, but don't get too hung up and it has to be perfect. How do you find balance in, in stopping yourself and not doing that with your work? Ooh, that's hard because I'm a perfectionist. <laughs> but it's for me, it's about setting deadlines. Oh, I like it's that. It's setting like this is when I have to have this project done. And I think that's, you know, we all watch Hollywood movies and we go, oh, the CG for this scene was terrible. But think about what they were working with. If they had a year, to make that one two second CG moment, they could have done photorealistic, the most amazing thing, but they're working on a deadline. They're working under a budget. Mm-hmm. So if we do that for ourselves as creative artists, that helps make realistic what we're trying to do. It makes it more realistic for us. Set a budget, set a time limit, and know that this is what we're capable of creating. Dang. Wow, that's good. I'm gonna play it to myself. Yeah, yeah putting putting a time limit. Yeah, no, that's really good. I love it. I love it. And now you did go to college. Is that, is that right, Brennan? Am I correct with knowing this? A couple years. A yeah. couple years. How has, uh, what did you, if I may, if I may ask, of course, if you're comfortable sharing that, did that influence you in any way in, in what you're doing now in these creative stories that you're sharing out these audio dramas? Or did you just, did you learn after you left college? That, that wasn't the thing I enjoyed to do. And I enjoy doing this now. So in college, I took American Sign Language, some sign language interpretation, deaf ASL theater, speech, and um, a voice study, voice performance. Oh, wow. So, so, you know, some of those things did help and do help and influence where I'm at now. Um, sorry, what was the rest of your question? <laughs> no, you're good. You're good. <laughs> you're good. You're good. So did it, yeah. So did, 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 did going, did after college, did you realize that uh, the things you learned, you know, you, you can take them in and apply them to what you're doing now, but did you realize after the fact that, you know, maybe at that time I wasn't even ready to make that choice or, or know what my passion was. You know, what I, what I really learned from those years in college was that kind of those roads that I was looking at headed heading down mm-hmm. were really time consuming mm-hmm. and didn't leave room and space for other things that are more important in, in my life. Yeah. And so part of what I love about creating a podcast is I lose about three months to make a podcast, you know, from finding the story to refining it, to be ready for production, producing it. It's that's only about three months, which really is a short, amount of time. So it still mm-hmm. allows me to focus on some of those other things that are important in my life. Mm-hmm. You know, my family, my friends, um, other things that we deal with. So it, 
it really helped put into perspective, I can still perform, I can still do these things that I love, but not have it totally consume my life where this is the only thing that I'm doing because I'm performing eight shows a week. Yeah, I like it. In a theater somewhere. Oh, so it taught you really good balance because I, I agree with that idea. And and when I took on, we, we when we took on this, this uh, challenge or, or I've been wanting to do something like this for a long time. And when we took it on, that was something we were kind of concerned about too. Like how much time mm-hmm. is this going to take, you know? And um, something that I've always been good at is talking. I can talk up a storm. So I've enjoyed, uh, I enjoy learning about people. So I was like, might as well do something like this um, as a podcast. So yeah, we were concerned, you know, as a couple, just how that would affect us. And how we saw it or how we balanced it was we take out that two hours that we watch a movie or we hang out. Like instead of doing just essentially not wasting time because you're taking into entertainment, but taking out of that entertainment hours, we're applying it and doing this. So it's just uh, just finding that balance and, and, and that applies to any sense. Any, any, anyone that's creating, it's just finding balance in what you do. So it doesn't overpower like you mentioned, your More sole purpose. Things. Yeah. Exactly. Well, and, and I think that's a nice way to help keep us from burnout too. You know mm-hmm. this as a content creator. Mm-hmm. It is difficult to come up with idea after idea to process it, to write it, to film it, to shoot, well, you know, whatever you have yeah, to do to make yeah. it real. Yeah. So by by keeping it balanced, I love my podcast because it's it's a very nice balanced way of doing the things that I love and I don't get burned out from because I have you know I'm producing an episode every single week of every single year. Love it. I love it. And, and so anyone out there chase your passion but don't overburn yourself, right? That's the key yeah. where we're pulling that out of that. So I, when we were listening to your podcast um, again, because, uh, you know, you, you do a really good job having accents and things like that. Do you gear yourself, uh, by the way, do you gear yourself towards a certain audience? Do you gear yourself? Do you think anyone can, um, like any, and this applies to creative storytelling as well. Do you think p- these authors who create, they have an audience in mind when creating, or do you think everyone can really take something in and, and take something positive out of it? Or how do you see that? I'm hoping anybody could listen. Nice. So that's that's honestly part of what we do. And we started doing that with Pygmalion. Mm-hmm. We decided, you know what, let's make and let's focus on making family-friendly content. I love mm-hmm. it. Let's make content that you could sit down with your children, the whole family could sit around. No, there's no visual to it, but you can listen to our story and not have to worry about anything inappropriate or uncomfortable that then later you have to explain to (laughs) well this means this or we'll tell you about that when you're older (laughs) we don't have that issue so that's one of the things that we really strive to work on is you know removing language or inappropriate things that are difficult for families to listen to or or you might be embarrassed hearing while you're sitting next to your mom (laughs) or your dad or your grandparents but we're trying to make stuff that the whole family can enjoy and again introduce people to things that maybe they haven't taken the opportunity or taken the time to sit down and listen to. And like you said, the episodes are usually pretty short, maybe Mm -hmm. 20, 30 minutes each episode Mm -hmm. at most, which if you're on your way to work, you know, throw it on. It's nice background. It's enjoyable to listen to. You Mm -hmm. might laugh. 
it'll at least bring a smile to your face. Yeah, exactly. That's the goal. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's that's the ultimate goal, right? (laughs) We want to want anyone who's listening to us to enjoy what we're doing. And and you and you think now in a more like um, you know, actually writing a novel and sitting down, most authors do have a directed uh, you know, audience. Because, like, for example, you go to Bookman's or what's the Barnes, Barnes, and Noble. Barnes and Noble, you know, you have sections, you have like history, economics, nonfiction. And of course, you know, fiction, nonfiction, those things are, are um, telling you for the most sense what you're searching for. But then you also have like adult and like young books and things like that. Do you feel like that affects your creative power, so to speak, your creative way of seeing it? like gearing it to an audience instead of just creating what you feel or what you're thinking? Or do you think these authors after the fact, Oh, I think this story applies to kids. So let me apply this to kids. Or how do you think they do that? Or maybe you know how they do that. Sometimes I wonder if that's not more marketing than Mm. what maybe the author had initially intended. For example, I just read, I just finished reading um, Suzanne Collins fourth book in the hunger Games series. Okay. Battle of songbirds and snakes. Mm. I'm I almost love that book. It was amazing. <laughs> <laughs> it is classified as the, you know they're young adult novels. I found it fascinating the the depth of character development, the ways that she tied back into the other novels or other mm. portions of the story or other themes. She brought those back and explained here's how this started. Well, yeah, you can see kind of the wrestling between people. So honestly, for me, I don't subscribe to those young adult, adult labels so much, because I think, especially if something is well-written, we can find value in it. Mm-hmm. And that's, wow. we can learn something from anything mm-hmm. if we have the right attitude and kind of frame of, frame of mind toward it. Yeah. That's true. That's true. And do you- Did pers- that sentence come out clearly? That came it did, out perfect. It, did. <laughs> it came out perfect. <laughs> yeah, it did. It did. It did. I love it. <laughs> So you, you, uh, Brennan, do you, are you currently working on a project? What are you up to right now? Are you, I'm working on a, I'm working on a handful of things. I am working on our next season podcast, Nice. but I'm not ready to release what we're working on yet. Okay. I'm very excited about it. It should be good. (laughs) The interview podcast did not get the plug guys. I'm sorry. (laughs) If if you two would like to perform in it, just let me know. Oh, oh snap, wow. perform. <laughs> Art thou, Juliet? <laughs> you well, are as beautiful as a sunflower. I don't know. I'm not. I feel I'm like down. just changed accents there, yeah. first of all. He needs to practice his accent. She's, she's good at accents, by the way. But. Second of all, we may not be using you, Howell, for Shakespeare, <laughs> just as an initial... I'm gonna be, be like I'm gonna be the guy sweeping in the background. He just grunts in the background. I'm gonna be grunting. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> oh yeah, you could you can make all of our foley. That sounds perfect. There you go. I'll make I'll make the sound effects. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh, that's funny. Dude, I'm sorry, you? that was mean. No, no he played himself. Nah, he played I, himself. I <laughs> so so you're working on your podcast. Um, is there any, you know, you just finished a book. Are you starting a new book or what are you, what are you taking in right now? What content are you taking in? I'm always reading a handful of things all nice. at the same time and I'll kind of jump between them. But right now I'm working on War and Peace okay. uh, by Leo Tolstoy. It is a behemoth of a novel and it's written in English, French, German, and Russian. Wow. 
man. Okay. <laughs> so there's there's a lot to it, but it's it's incredible. It is a little bit difficult to get into, but Tolstoy writes everyday people that we know, and he's so good at describing them that you can understand who they are and what they're doing and why so quickly. And he's he's an amazing storyteller. Anyone out there, so. check those books out. We're we're sponsored by them. Tolstoy's paying us, you know, every <laughs> link in the ad, in the show notes, you know. I'm just joking. We don't get paid. Wouldn't but, that be nice? <laughs> that would be amazing. That would be amazing. So, Brennan, excellent. Thank you for coming out with us. Before we, we head out, we have our last segment called Pay It Forward, where essentially, you know, uh, we want, we encourage whoever we're interviewing uh, you know, pay it forward. Essentially, if anyone else you think any creatives or any passions, really, we're not really looking for just creatives. It could be last episode we spoke spoke to Terence. He's uh, into botany or plants, so to speak. So anyone with a passion, uh, you know, who are you paying it forward to? <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's probably on your list, but my friend Caleb, he's he's a young guy. Um, you know, just getting into photography and, and making short films, but he, he has a very good eye and I'd love to know more about why he does what he does. So nice. Right. Shout out to Caleb. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We, 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 we have the scoop. Yeah. We were, we will, we will have him on our show. If not this next week, I, we were planning. So sweet. So Caleb, you heard it. So Brennan shout, shout you out. Um, and we're excited to, to do that with him so brandon once again thank you for coming out everyone check out his podcast crazy strong crazy comma strong podcast and uh maybe his humanoid book uh will come out too or short story you can check that out later as well uh you'll see in the show notes all the people we're talking about you can check their uh spotify links and all that good stuff thank you all for listening in i don't know how long this podcast is we don't have a little timer but Whatever link that was, thank you for listening. Appreciate it. <laughs> Appreciate it. And uh, we'll catch you in the flippity flip. Flippity flip. Peace. Peace. Bye. <laughs> thank you for tuning in. We truly do appreciate it. This episode was sponsored by us. Please check out our website, huelvalenzuela.com, where you can find prints, the latest podcast episodes, stickers whatever you like go check it out we truly do appreciate it thank you see you again soon <laughs>